morning, church. Uh, my name is Samuel Mendez, and uh, this morning... This morning's scripture passage will be from Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 11. What's okay to ask for and, and what is not. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that once again, he's leveling out the playing field. He's not asking you to earn what you've asked for. He's not even asking for you to deserve it. He's asking us to ask. He's putting us there. He's saying, I want to hear your voice. I'm into listening to you. Um, the other thing that's beautiful about this is that asking can happen in seconds or it can happen in weeks and months. I don't know about you, but so, there's like some quick ask asking I do. And then there's some I take a while for. In my own mind, I, uh, I created the science of the ask. So you can, you can take it for what it's worth. It's just my idea. But I, I think that when we do ask, there's a desire awakened. Whether you see something or you feel something in your heart. Or it's just provided before you. Something a sense picks up. After that, I would say we struggle. Is it a need or is it a want? And like the righteous people that we are, we're going to just do needs, right? No wants here, please, right? Like that's the sense that we have inside of ourselves. No, no, God, I don't want premium. I'll just take regular. I'm not that person. Um, And then at the end, it takes courage to make the request. And uh, I, I thought I'd throw out my laundry here. And uh, just make a confession of the things I've asked for. It's been for a spouse. It's been for friends. It's been for a job, a career, for a kid's future, for cars, right? For houses, for trips, for peaceful family times. Even if your family knows Jesus, you know you pray for those, right? Can I get an amen here? All right, for salvations, because we are Christians, right? For healings, because we believe in God of the New Testament, Old Testament, all at work here. We pray for patience. We pray for coworkers, for nations, for leaders, for people in need and needs to be met. And we do these things because it's all on the table. I could read that passage again. And Jesus doesn't say, don't ask for that. He doesn't. He just says, ask, seek, knock. And so one of my goals, if you haven't picked it up this morning, is, is to put everything on the table. It's, it's not a dichotomy. It's not a division. I also realize that the reason why I ask, and I believe that it's a common thing between you and I, is that we ask because we're just not smart enough sometimes. We're not wealthy enough. We're not strong enough in our might for all those things on our list. They need faith. They require faith. And it's good to ask him to do so. (laughs) 
Yeah, the sense that you can ask for some things and not for others because they are earthly just seems off. And I believe this passage lays it all out and commands us to ask. There's four impressions that I felt as I read this scripture, as I studied it, and a couple of testimonies that I'll share. The first impression is simply that Jesus commands us to ask because he knows he's the source. It's point blank. He doesn't ask us to do anything else. He just says, go for it. Give your voice. Put it out there. Because he knows he's the source of life. There's nowhere else we turn to. There's nothing else that can satisfy, right? And we know this. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're asking him, who are you? Who do you say that you are? And Jesus clearly says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Just very clearly states it. If you're going to go the right way, you're going to go with me. In this, I have found from other people older and wiser than me, I just remember asking a believer who was in his 60s, and I've got some mad respect for people that are still believing the Lord, doing amazing things as they get older, because I can, I can feel just that the world kind of gets you jaded and, and cynical about it. And so I asked them, hey, so how do, you, how do you do this? What's the longevity? What's your, like, magic bullet, you know? Like, how do you do it? And, and as he shared with me, he asked these, he shared with me these questions that he asked as he prays. And, and I believe that these coincide with asking the Lord. That when we ask, we don't just throw it out to the wind, but instead it's a, it's a conversation starter. Whether you do this with a friend or with a spouse or a family member, sometimes the tough questions are just starters to a bigger conversation. Uh, three questions that he shared was, one, Father, what do you say? Just being in communion with the Lord. This is what I'm asking for. What do you say about what I'm saying? What's on your heart? As I mentioned, my need, my want before you. And what role do I play in it? And the beautiful thing as I heard him share these questions was that even on the last one, what role do I play? Sometimes our role is what's in the way. Isn't it sweet to know from the Lord when he says, well, then get out. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. And this morning, what I, what I felt as I, I read this passage was that we would make the conscience, conscious choice to ask, not to assume, not to complain or compare, but the conscious choice to ask to be in relationship with God. Not because we, we have to ask at religious duty, but because we believe that God is a personal, intimate God who wants to meet us where we are and lead us, more importantly. I marvel at the idea that this church started of dreaming of being in a building with someone putting their hand on a door and saying, Lord, and if we were to do this in this town, could we do it here? And knowing that it's going to require faith to get in there (laughs) and, and build on it. We are a people that ask. We are a family that asks because we know that he hears us. The second impression that I felt is that we ask the Lord, we throw our voice out because we're meant to, because it builds faith. And I feel like the enemy would send an attack on that. Like, would you ask less? Would your 
asking not be that big? Would it not be that complicated? Because the lie is that it just becomes more selfish, right? That if, if I just ask for myself, well, then I'll ask for myself again, and I'll keep doing that, and I'll be one of those bad Christians that just ask for themselves and doesn't care about anyone else. And I think that the opposite is actually true. That the more that I ask and that I've received, and how specific my prayers could be, specific prayers lead to specific answers. And in that, that motivates you to believe for others. And it motivates us to have a greater faith. Sometimes before we can ask for the mountain to move, we just need the dirt pile to be kicked. And it starts little by little. And, and I think that the enemy would use that almost like a self-guilt. Like, no, 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 that's too much. No, 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 that's like the fifth time you ask for yourself. Time out, you know, flag on the play. And I don't know how many prayers you need, so it branches out. But I don't think that the Lord is threatened by it. In fact, I think that the Lord would use it. I love uh, Seth this morning out of Hebrews. Totally, Spirit is doing something this morning. I uh, had verse 6 from chapter 11, the great chapter 11. And it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You see, this life was meant to be built on faith. If it's just you and I producing for ourselves, if it's just our own self-sufficiency, we're missing out on partnering with God. And if you're a person who loves spreadsheets and budgets and loves plans, amen, I'm that person too. I've got goals and I'm going to reach them, right? You know? In the middle of that, isn't it so beautiful to partner up with God in that? To lay it out before Him. Lord, what do you say? What do you say as we build out? I don't think those things offend God. I think He just grabs us even closer and says, yeah, that's right. You're one of those ambitious ones. Let's keep going then, together. And... Yeah, I just think if in your heart all we know is how to live within our own means and our own self without risking it with faith. I'm not saying to be irresponsible. I'm saying be carried on by faith. I think there's a beautiful experience that we get to know the Lord. And I think we're welcome to. Yeah. In uh, my third impression of the passage was that the, the other lie on the other end is like, I'm asking too much. It's, it's too much. God, God's got like a list on me. He's not going to respond to my emails. They're just loading. <laughs> the, the other end is that not asking is neutral. And I'm going to tell you that's not true. I would just even share that when we don't ask, there's something bubbling up inside of us, and it's not good. It's complaint. It's comparing. It's assuming. It's, it's kind of like the dark side, right? You start going there. But God, I'm not like this person. I didn't ask. But I do think I'm better than them because I didn't ask. So I'm going to earn it. I'm going to deserve it. And um, 
I like even felt a tough time. I'm like, man, should I read the scripture? It's kind of like rough. It's not that like happy. Um, and it comes from James. James can just be really clear. Uh, this is from James 4. And James just clearly says in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And I know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be described as someone who schemes, as someone who kills, as someone who's jealous, who fights, who wages war. But James is very clear. If we're going to keep our mouths shut, then that's going to stir inside of us. He doesn't say it might. He just says it does. And I love that he says in in, uh, verse 2, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So he clearly, in agreement with Jesus, is just saying ask. I mean, he, I feel like he even slaps our hand. And we're like, all right, you're going to now build up the courage to ask. And he says, no, because you didn't have the right motive. You're like, man, I was trying. <laughs> you know, there's a real sense in that. But I love that once again, he even questions our motive, but he doesn't say stop asking. And I'll just be forward with you. I don't know when I have a pure motive. I don't know when I have asked for the car, for the house, for the kids, for the spouse, and it's been the right motive. It, is, it has not been a real special moment in my mind where it's just clear of worry. You know, it's not this magical moment. It's this just throwing your voice out there. And once again, starting that conversation with the Lord. What do I do with that? What do I do with this desire? And I think the Lord is faithful to straighten out our desires. He's not scared of them. Yeah, I, uh, last impression that I have here <laughs> is uh, that even Jesus asks the Father. And there's, if there's any excuse to ask, it's like if Jesus do, does it, we're, we're signing up behind him. Like, that's just how it works. We, we are called Christians, believers, Jesus followers for that reason. He's the one we're following. Um, if you don't believe me, you could turn to Mark 14. You know, Jesus had the ultimate mission to be crucified, to stand in our place, to take on sin. And if I'm honest, I don't think we clearly understand what the cross meant. I think we go through suffering and we can still feel the nearness of God and know that he's close to us. I don't know how Jesus faced this. 
There must have been something way more than what we experience as, as humans that he faced as he took on the load for all of time for us and victory for all time. In Mark 14, it says, he went a little farther, is uh, chapter 14, verse 35, and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. And if you read closer to the scripture there, those, that passage, he does it again. I think if I read it correctly, he does it like two or three times. He's, not, he's asking, he's seeking, he's knocking. But the beautiful thing that Jesus does, once again, that I feel that scripture does, he asks and he submits. And it's both things hand in hand. We lay it all out there. We put our emotions there. We, we make it very clear. We be as specific as we can be. But at the end of the day, we submit, Lord. But I do understand that you are the good Father. I do understand that you know more than I do. And that you will lead me. And Jesus does that. And if Jesus has requests, then we do too. And we're allowed to. And we let the Father clear through our mess of our requests. And we just simply let our hearts draw near. Um, in this passage, um, it, just, it just led me to think about seeing this, you know, in real time. I remember in high school, I, uh, I don't know what it was. There was a sense of, I know I'd seen a movie about friendship or something had inspired me, but I remember uh, lying down and getting, re getting ready to go to high school, and I just asked the Lord, like, Lord, could you give me, like, a friend? You know, it makes it sound like I was kicking a can in the corner. I wasn't doing that either, so you don't have to feel bad for me. But I, but I asked the Lord, I've, I've, like, heard of these friends that are, like, near, like, a brother, and... Uh, could I get one of those, you know? Um, and I did have a brother too, so don't. There's boxes being checked, all right, guys? Don't. I do have a family. No, um, in all seriousness, I remember asking that to the Lord and just throwing it out there. I mean, I'm, I'm just a kid, if I can throw that out there. And uh, I remember just being a very quiet person. And I remember just meeting this person that was very much outgoing. Um, and he did become a friend. And he, he was the kind of friend that said the things you didn't say. So he got the blame for saying the things you didn't say. You just smirked and laughed. Um, and, uh, and it was a beautiful thing. It was the kind of thing that we'd do church in the mornings on a Sunday morning. And then in the afternoon, we'd play basketball for hours, pick up basketball. I wish it could sound like I was awesome at it. I was all right. But... Um, <laughs> I was good at rebounds. No, just kidding. Um, but in the sense of, of that, it just felt like a sweet thing. I remember heading off to college, and we were still friends, uh, pretty close. He'd come and visit often. Uh, I went and spent like a birthday up there. 
And in those times, we, I was all about like biblical masculinity. And it, the way it sounds is the way it was for us. You know, it's like, yo, we're 20 we're something. Like, what is this? And uh, I remember reading books with him by Stu Weber. Any Stu Weber fans here? Dang it. All right. John Eldridge, he's another guy. I'm more of a Stu Weber guy. All right. Um, and uh, we would just eat it up and talk about it and dialogue about it. And it was something sweet. It was just kind of that camaraderie between the two of us. Um, At the age of 24, we had both moved back to the valley. And at that time, um, I remember getting a phone call from him. He's like, hey, can you meet at a Starbucks? I'd love to talk to you about something. I remember driving up. And I remember him uh, just letting me know, like, hey, uh, I've been going to the doctor lately. And... uh, been diagnosed with cancer, uh, with nasal, I asked him for this, I, I was, my memory can't think of this too deep, nasal killer T-cell lymphoma, and uh, we're at the, like, ripe age of 24, and I'm like, what, like, that, this can't be true, and he was more positive about it to the point where I just couldn't be negative about it, you know, he was kind of like, well, kind of believe in karma, and I've been a good person, so I think I'm going to be healed, and my mom has like a prayer chain going, and I was like, okay, so I just remember like walking away from the conversation, crying in my car, because I wasn't going to do it in front of him, it was like, you're really like positive about this, I'm not, Um, when I ever hear the C word, I feel pretty struck by it, Um, and I just remember my, my prayer in the car was, was fairly simple. It was just like, Lord, let my friend know you before he closes his eyes and goes into eternity. Like, don't let him go down to the grave without knowing you. And, and the beautiful thing is that he was healed. I mean, there was chemo. There was a work of, of things. And that he was saved. His, his wife, um, his girlfriend at the time, wife-to-be, uh, was part of that process, that salvation process of uh, just drawing near to him and leading him to like the God that we believe in the Bible kind of thing, like the true God. And uh, I remember just like going and celebrating at his wedding after he had uh, survived from cancer and just being like overjoyed. You couldn't get the smile off my face, like, Lord, you've done it. You did it. And um, so... Because I, I like was like, man, now you're growing with me. Like, if you're going to say you believe in Jesus, like, I'm sticking with you. And we're writing this out, man. We're both going to be disciples together. And uh, sure enough, uh, we had a bunch of packs where we were together. It was like a pack of lifer. Like, I wasn't letting go of him. We were going to Bible study this out. And I remember uh, at the time, we didn't have any kids. So I'd wake up early, and I'd, I'd be the guy who went to the grocery store in the morning you should try it sometime. There's no one there. Everyone's still sleeping. And uh, I remember getting a phone call from him. Fast forward, he's now uh, 27. And he just lets me know, like, Sam, it's happening again. They found it again. And at this point, he's just breaking down. And I, I think the reason why it was, it was kind of like when you face a bad nightmare. You just want it to end. You don't want it to come back. And I remember as, as I prayed for him and cried with him in the car, I just remember the stirring of the Lord, just not just praying for healing this time. And I don't know, I don't remember if we had conversations about him having kids. 
Um, but I just remember saying like, but you're not just going to survive off this, but I believe that you're going to father and you're going to speak to the testimony of how the Lord heals over and over again. And he did. He did. Um, it became a stem cell transplant. It, ca- it became a thing where he went up to Northern California. They told him like to stay quarantined for about a month and then for a whole year to uh, not go back to work. He's also in education, so it's like we run into everything in education. And um, it, it was a beautiful thing to see the Lord at work again. And for my heart, it was kind of one of those resolves, like we will continue to knock until we can't anymore. After that, once again, we started Bible study again, and we prayed for his child I mean, it was a, I had to ask him for these numbers again, but it was a three and a half year process for them to get pregnant. But it was one of those things, like we just kept going for it and going for it. We're not giving up on it. And uh, it it was a beautiful thing. And from my own heart, it, it was like a seal the deal with this scripture piece of like, you meant what you said, Jesus. Right? And uh, yeah, three and a half years, this is, them holding their kid and it's just a reminder to me to us that it was like the Lord hears us and in the beautiful thing on that end you also know that you've experienced long enough you also know that you feel defeat as you pray ask you as you ask as you seek and ask you knock Uh, this this picture go to the next one it's probably one of my favorite pictures of my mother-in-law that's her first chemo treatment. And that smile on her face is that smile of hope. Um, right on, on her face as a believer, thinking like, Lord, you're going to get me through this. And, and our prayers weren't answered the way that we thought 18 months later after this picture. And we wrestled with that. I can still remember when she called me and said, Sam, I, they, um, they found cancer. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do um, it shouldn't be a big thing. Don't tell your wife. She's pregnant. So I, I did what every good husband is going to do. Not tell his wife. I actually don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> if I did that right. <laughs> but I, I remember that phone call. And just talking to her. And just saying, Lord, I'm praying for life. I'm praying for life. I don't, I'm not letting this turn the other way. I'm praying for life. And I just remember the pain of 18 months saying like, Lord, I believe you. I believe you. I'm hanging on to your words, God. And it turning the other way around. At the time, I would drive up to Fresno for school. And I remember like turning on a podcast and the topic on this week was uh, healing. And I'm like, I don't want to hear about healing. I don't want to think about healing. It's not what I experienced. And I remember very personally and very intimately and accurately just having the Lord speak to me and say, are you going to let your experience dictate who I am? Or are you going to let the word of God and my character dictate your experiences? And I just remember like it was a resolve. It was a hard resolve, but it was a resolve like, Lord, It's true. 
If I live by my experience, it'll be highs and lows for the rest of my life. But if I have your word and your character as my foundation, then I can ride this out. And I can believe for your people. And uh, <laughs> I'd like to say that that's where the story ends with, with defeat or pain in our family. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, this last month, February 11th, I had to write some dates down to just get a, a sense of this. Um, <laughs> it was the day right after we were out of quarantine. It was the daddy-daughter dance. Um, I get a call from Dolly. Hey, I get a text first. Hey, call me. All right. This is interesting. Hey, we're pregnant. We have a little baby. We're like, oh, man, we're going to have Irish twins. Like, my daughter barely turned one, February 27th. <laughs> we're just like, all right, man, we're writing this one out. But the desire, uh, there was definite fear. I'm not, I'm not going to hide that. I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. Uh, and as the dad, I'm like working the numbers. I'm pulling out the spreadsheet. All right, we're, we're paying these bills. We're making space for this kid. Um, and, and we just started to dream. I, uh, I can't say it was like, it's been like that every pregnancy. I buckled sometimes at, at the idea um, but at this one, we just went for it. We're like, we're dreaming. Our fall is going to turn different. Our summer is going to be different. We're going to have pregnant Dahlia walking around this summer. Like, we're just, this is the road we're taking. And um, so on March the 3rd, not this Thursday, but the past Thursday, um, she had her first appointment only, only to find out that they couldn't find the heartbeat. Baby didn't have a heartbeat. And everything inside me, like, she shot the text, I'm at work, it's my last class to teach, and I, I just kind of froze, like, thinking, like, man, what, like, I, I doubled down on this one, I said, let's go, let's press on the gas, we're, we're doing this, and um, we found out on March 3rd that baby was nine weeks, actually, so I was like, man, this has been there's been life brewing in there for a while. And there's just a sense of like, Lord, where, where do we go from here? We, we started to ask. We started to knock. But once again, I'm taken to the words that I felt the Lord lead me to in the car. It was like, will you dictate who I am by your experience? Or would you experience be dictated for who I am? For my word says... And I believe this morning, just the thread that's been running has been one, would we ask, as a people, would we ask the Lord to meet us? Would you ask for things that are bigger than ourselves? Would we have that faith just develop in our souls? And let me just say, it's welcomed in this home. You want to ask for something ridiculous, something bigger than yourself, something that you're like, it will take God. It's welcomed here. Or if you're at the place where it's like, Lord, I just need to get healed to ask again. Like I need my heart mended before I can even ask. Just want to say this morning, you're invited to do so as well. It's the road we've been walking. But I believe it's a road that we walk together. And I just want to say, if there is pain within your heart, within your soul of disappointment, of defeat, don't walk through it alone. God put us in a body for a reason. Silence is deadly. 
just like asking brews some dark stuff in our heart of comparison, of complaint, of assuming. So does staying silent in pain. It gets dark. No one cares. It doesn't matter to anyone else. And that's not the truth. I, I feel blessed for the amount of flowers that have been in our home this week, for the amount of meals, for the amount of texts, for the love that we've received in the midst of this, for the amount of sweet cookies that have been in our doorstep. It's been a sweet thing. And it's been a beautiful thing to experience the body of Christ, even when our hearts hurt. So I want to um, just invite you that as we take communion, Sean could lead us in song, um, that we would do that. And if you have a sense of just wanting prayer, to not just have to do the hurdle on your own, I would welcome you to come up and to receive prayer. Ask again. Don't be afraid. If you've not asked and started to, let the Lord lead you. Let Him go through the mess. Let him go through the mess of your ask. Don't sort it out. You're just taking longer. We just take longer. Let time be saved. Let your heart be healed. Let me just pray for us as we uh, take communion. Father, we, we just admit that we're fragile people. We are insecure people, Lord, on our own. But with you, Holy Spirit, and with light of the road that you have walked, we walk with courage. In light with what you speak and what you command us towards, we walk in courage. We believe and we say that we have not earned salvation We have not deserved every good thing that you've given us and that you want to give us, Lord, and that you want to do in this land. But we want to align ourselves to you, God, this morning. Come heal our hearts. Come give us courage. Come give us faith, Lord. We thank you for showing up for our lives, for ourselves but we are so thankful that the story does not end there. It's just the beginning. And we believe that, God, we believe that about you, that you will lead us from this side of eternity till we see you face to face. You can take our pain. You can take our hurt. It won't scare you. You can take our fears. And you don't get tired Lord, of us asking to be healed over and over again. Give us courage this morning. We bless you, Father. Amen.